there's another level of promoting yourself that most coaches, agency owners, consultants, when you're at 300, 500, 600, even million dollars, they don't know what's possible. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. So Jill, you brought me flowers. I did. I brought you lilacs, in fact, from our backyard because they smell amazing. <laughs> it was really funny is when you brought them in, the reaction that Spencer had. That was I just- know. He... As soon as I opened the door, his nose sniffed and then he saw the flowers and then he ran and hid under your chair. It was so cute. He is the most curious and terrified combination of cat. It's a very (laughs) interesting combination of personality traits. He's still young. He's learning, right? Right. So now if for some reason, this is the first time you're listening to the podcast. Welcome. This is not the Brianna and Jill talk about Spencer the Cat show, even though you might be able to get that impression sometimes from the amount we spend talking about this cat. He's just that adorable. That's the thing with cats is you, you get a cat, they're just adorable all the time. So you have to talk about them all the time. You might want to talk about the cat all the time, but for the sake of the conversation, I'm thinking we should jump into our debrief about Autumn's conversation from last episode. All right, let's talk about Autumn because like that was a really great interview that we had with her and I had a lot of fun having that discussion. We had an interview with one of our amazing clients in our Leaders Institute. Her name is Autumn Whit Boyd. She's an attorney and she has recently promoted herself into a new job in her business and in her company. So we had a really great conversation with her in our last episode and Jill and I wanted to do a debrief of that conversation to help not only, you know, talk about what jumped out at us, what we thought was really insightful, but also to take some of the specifics that she talked about and maybe help you apply them to your business, even if you're not a lawyer, even if, you know, maybe you're a coach, you don't have a service business, whatever the case may be. Yeah, exactly. And there was a lot of really great pieces that she talked about. I actually, I have a hard time you know, narrowing it down to really the top ones that I want to focus on. But the very first one that jumps out for me is this whole concept. She gave this really great analogy about how she felt like her team had been cobbled together mm-hmm. and that she was the one managing everyone. And what was it? Musical chairs? That you yeah, all, I, they were all playing musical chairs. Yeah, I thought that was such a great, I would say visual. For someone who has aphantasia to talk about having a visual It's really funny, but it was a really great visual metaphor for the way that so many online business owners end up building their teams, right? This idea of cobbling together, like I need this done and I need this done and I need this done. And you end up with this, I don't want to call it a random assortment of people because I think that does a disservice to the people who are doing the hiring. They're not being random about it, but kind of when you step back and you look at the team you've assembled, it's kind of been built piecemeal. Yeah, exactly. And this is something I've seen a lot. And I think a lot of it actually comes from the traditional business world of this idea of delegation and hiring people to, to handle, the, as you said, I need this done to handle those specific tasks because it's done 
almost in, in silos. Mm. That was the big word when we were back in our, our corporate job. Everyone's operating in a silo. Mm-hmm. And even when you're not trying to not operate in a silo, it often happens that way because it's so focused on the immediate need. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's and, like... And filling that. I need this job and I need this job and I need... Well, it's not I need this job. I need this task and I need this task and I need this task done. And I think the person that does that is a VA or I think the person that does that is uh, a coach or I think the person who does that is a community manager or, or whatever. In fact, I was just watching a video. I won't mention who it was from, but it was from one of the big names in the industry, like known, probably the best known person for creating quote-unquote scalable coaching businesses and and this the individual was mapping out their framework and they had on there like once you're at the 30 to 60 thousand dollar a month mark the first thing you should do is hire someone to take over your sales and someone to do coaching or community managing and i was like this is assuming you've already hired a VA, but yeah, like your facial expression is how I felt. It's like way to teach people to hire people for tasks for jobs that may not be the right thing for them to hire mm-hmm. and like to end up with this cobbled together team. Not just a cobbled together team, but something that is cookie cutter that might not actually meet the needs of the business. And that's the key thing for me. When I had the conversations with Autumn and as she moved through, as she's been moving through Leaders Institute, has been identifying what is it actually that the business needs mm-hmm. to support it? What does that role look like? The, the analogy we ended up discussing, speaking of analogies and, and metaphors, is I think it's the writers of Good to Great talk about butts and seats. We talked about this before in season one. It's one thing to have the right butts and the right seats, but you need to make sure you've got the right seats and the right vehicle Mm -hmm. in order for the vehicle to perform to its best role. Exactly. And talking about seats, that was the analogy that Autumn used, which is like the team was operating like musical chairs, except that it wasn't just everyone was just going to take a free seat. When things got ridiculously busy, which... I mean, her business blew up. It got really fast growth. And what happened is that people just started needing to do stuff. They needed to start just getting stuff done and taking the available seat. But Autumn knew that she couldn't just have people randomly doing stuff all over. And so by default, she ended up having to tell people where to go in this Mm -hmm. musical chairs game. So like people are trying to fill these seats because there's so much that needs to be done. She's trying to steer things and you never know when the music's going to stop and like what your situation is going to be. Yeah, exactly. And you always ask me these things, but I'm, I'm curious for you to turn this around on you and, and basically ask you, this is Autumn's situation that we're talking about here. How is this reflected in other situations where maybe it's not a service-based? Yeah. I mean, the, the quintessential example that comes to my mind is the launch frenzy that happens <laughs> when people have a launch-based business. Mm-hmm. I've I went back when I was running operations, I was the COO for hire for a couple of major coaching businesses and they had launch-based models and so part of my job was to facilitate and organize the the launches. And even if you have a really well-oiled machine, there's a lot a lot that goes into a launch and from the outside it probably looks amazing but there's a reason why people like finish their launches and then they go and hibernate for (laughs) weeks at a time 
which well, by the way they blow up their business <laughs> but it's hilarious because you go through all of this frenzy of the launch and you burn yourself out you get exhausted your team is going all out trying to get stuff done you close cart and then what happens? You're too exhausted to deliver an amazing experience. And in the meantime, not only are you too exhausted, but you, so is your team. Yeah. Right? And they're left going, what do I do next? Because yeah. they, they've gotten used to you directing and having, what is it? Again, Autumn had a really great phrase for this, air traffic controller. Yeah. Right? Being the air traffic controller for your team and for your clients. Yeah. Once they're used to that, they're trained into waiting for you. Yeah. And so even if they, even if you hired them to have the initiative, even if they have initiative, they don't know that they're allowed to go and take the initiative back. It becomes a habit. And it also, one of the things that Autumn talked about was the habit as a visionary of getting in there with all your ideas and saying, oh, I think we should do it this way and this way. And I wrote down what Autumn, she said, it was, I have a million ideas, but I'm just going to keep my ideas over here. And the reason that she changed that was so that she could allow the team member to have the space because she recognized that having ideas about how to do things was great for the job she used to occupy. But now that she had given herself a promotion, now it wasn't her job to be the one coming up with all the ideas. And the result, which I also wrote down, was that Autumn said and that, that this team member came up with the simplest, most elegant solution that was way better than my million ideas. Visionary confession time, millions of ideas, which we visionaries love to do, are great, but they're rarely the simple, elegant solution because our millions of ideas create incredible complexity. Just ask our marketing strategist who had to, I had to this morning apologize to her and say, I did the idea thing again. I did the visionary thing. Sorry, that's not my job, right? And it's something you have to constantly remind yourself of. It's hard to take that step back and to not just jump in and do Mm-hmm. Right, because that—that's how we got off the ground. Is you just jumped in and did jumping in and doing is the first thing, and that's the first thing that we push back against. But there's the next level, which is the jumping in with the ideas about what to do, and mm-hmm. so that is such an incredible nuance to realize that it's not enough to just stop doing and to allow your team to do the doing. The next level beyond that is to actually say, hey. I need to stop being the one that's throwing all of my ideas in because it stifles the creativity of your team and it stifles their opportunity to really step up and say, yeah, this is how I think we should do it. And especially for areas that aren't in necessarily your zone of genius, thinking like for you, for example, a zone of excellence for you certainly is marketing, but it's not your zone of genius. Yeah. And so stepping in and throwing in those ideas when someone else has that zone of genius, you're supplanting it a little bit in that case. Honestly, isn't that why you hired that person? They're not just there to replace you. They're there to make the business better, not just bigger. One of the biggest pieces is to go and, as we said, what is the business need and look at the business as a whole rather than looking at what are your immediate concerns. And this is what Autumn said the game changer, one of the game changers was for her was the billion dollar team exercise. And I liked how she specified that's billion with a B, right? Which Autumn said she doesn't have aspirations of building a billion dollar business. But still for her to do that billion dollar team exercise was so valuable because when she went through, she realized these are all the different roles that go in to this 
business that she's building. And what I loved is that she said she immediately could recognize where she needed to hire next. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. what she thought. It wasn't what she expected. When you're hiring and when you're transitioning and you're starting to bring yourself out of the weeds, how all of a sudden it seems you're starting to pull yourself out of, for example, marketing. And it's like all of a sudden everything starts looking like it's even messier. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's this idea of of struggling with the learning curve of not just having a new hire, but also struggling with your own new habits Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things and the impact that it has. And we've been touching on it a little implicitly, a little on the side, but I want to call it out in specific because that was another thing that Autumn had mentioned was the struggle that she and her team were having at taking that step back and for everyone to promote themselves. Yeah. Not just for her. Yeah. And I think the the great example of that was the story about the review process mm-hmm. that, you know, <laughs> Ottawa was spending so much time reviewing everything and how many people can relate to this where you review all of the copy, you review all of the sales pages, you review all of the emails, you review all of it. And Autumn was in that situation. She reviewed everything. It couldn't go out without her stamp of approval. And so often for us as entrepreneurs, it feels like it can't go out without our stamp of approval because it's it's our thing, right? It's our business. It's it's our name. It actually wasn't even you in your coaching conversations with her about this that came up with the ultimate solution. It was the most junior member of the team. I want you to think about being a junior attorney. You've got other attorneys in the room who have been there for like 10 times as long as you. Think about the culture that had to have been created for that junior employee, that junior person to be able to say, what if we did this? And not only to make that suggestion, but to say, actually, I am confident enough in my own abilities that I don't need you to review everything. I just need to know that you're available if I have a question. What a testament to the culture that Autumn's building. Yeah, absolutely. And and to the culture that she's building, but also to how she set up the meetings and the interactions with the team such that mm-hmm. they feel safe Yeah, to have those conversations. Like culture is one thing. Don't get me wrong. Culture is a big thing. Mm-hmm. But there's also an aspect of, as you said, confidence building for the employees yeah. that it's okay to do this and that it's okay to bring forward ideas. And it's okay that if your idea is different from mine or conflicts with mine, I still want to hear it. There's a caveat to that, which is provided that your ideas are still aligned with our values. And that was something else that Autumn talked a lot about was there's culture in terms of finding the right people, finding people who will be a team player and those kinds of things. Think about the very public missteps that have been made on social media by influencers around issues of whiteness, around issues of privilege, around issues of Black Lives Matter. And all of these people who they have something go out on their social media that is inappropriate, and their response is, I didn't check that, my team's responsible for it, and I'll do better next time. And I think Mm -hmm. this sets up a really interesting tension because we don't want to have to check every social media post that goes out before it goes out. That's the opposite of ownership. That's the problem that Autumn got into where she was having to spend literally 80% of her workload 
was spent doing this review stuff. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, it is your brand. It is your voice. It is representing you. You don't want something to go out, which is inappropriate. And that, what is so clear is that's the role of culture to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. To know that your team is going to be able to lean into those values to make the decision such that it won't happen. The fact that this stuff can go out on social media, representing your brand, it can show an obliviousness to social justice matters, to diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, means that those conversations were not being had within the team prior. Because if you're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, if you're talking about decolonizing the business, as Keila talked about in our interview with her a few episodes ago, if you're actively having those conversations with your team as a team, those things don't go out on social media because you've built that into your practice as a team that we stand for something. That's just not going to go out because we all know better. That's the kind of thing that to bring it back to autumn, she said she was loving being able to spend so much more time doing right. And it's so common for people to say, okay, I've promoted myself. What do I do instead? And Autumn gave some great examples. She said that I'm spending time mapping out compensation so that we're making sure we got equitable pay. We're spending time figuring out what our benefits should be. How can we express our values through our benefits? She gets to think about who do we want to recruit? What kind of business do we want to be? Plus, she gets to go deeper into her own research and become a better attorney by going and reading and researching and continuing her own development. Autumn leaned into that space of unknowing. She leaned into the learning curve and allowed her team and the onboarding and the training and the culture to support them all in the transition process rather than trying to come in and handhold and re-grab. It's you know, is it the exercise where you have like the ball in your hand, you let the ball go and you try and grab it again before it hits the... It's a great boxing exercise. Here's my martial arts coming through where you actually, you hold the ball in front of you and then you toss it out in front of you and try and catch it. That's the, the fast twitch of a jab. Yeah. Yeah, that one. And <laughs> that's the habit that we all have as entrepreneurs is to let it go and then grab it right away. Yeah. Really so let it go and grab it right again. It kind of ties back into what Jenny had been talking about in our previous interview about having that space, creating the space for the conversations. And, you know, it was cool when Autumn said initially it was a habit and three emails that she responded to before she caught herself and was like, oh, I don't have to do that. It reminds me of some of the stuff that I've been reading around mental rehearsal. I think there's value in like mentally rehearsing. Oh, there's going to be an email coming in. That's going to make me feel this way, but I want to instead respond that way because it's such a habit. But the other thing that leaning into the values and leaning into the culture of the business really did for Autumn is we've talked before about the difference between being a trusted advisor and being a hired gun. And what it does is it allows the business to step into being the trusted advisor rather than Autumn herself. I was talking with someone the other day and this person said, you know, I have intentionally kept my coaching business small because my clients are coming 
to me for me, which we hear all the time. But I thought it was so interesting that she said, you know, they're coming to me because of my values, because of my commitment to social equity, because of all of those things. And I was like, that's great. But should your business not be aligning with those values? Should your business Mm -hmm. not be representing those things? And that is such a game changer when you realize that your business has a personality. Your business has values. I know it's in capitalist society, it's this thing where corporations are people, right? And we won't get into the politics of that, this idea that corporations are people. But in a lot of ways, businesses can be considered to have the attributes of a person. They Mm -hmm. have a DNA, they have a personality, they have a voice, they have values, they have a way of showing up. And it is so powerful when you allow your business to be the person, the one, Mm -hmm. doing that work with and for clients, instead of it having to be you. It's so powerful, but it's also so empowering to your team. Yeah. Because now it's no longer about having to transition authority. Mm-hmm. Authority already exists. Yeah. Because You're- the authority is assigned to the business, not to you personally. Yeah. Part of that process of the business stepping into the trusted advisor role is that they had to become even more clear and explicit about what they were trusted advisors for and who they were trusted advisors for. They thought they had niched down, right? Online entrepreneurs who have digital online businesses that have legal needs. And what came out of this is that they really could be trusted advisors best for people who were offering coaching programs and courses. That's who they could really, truly, as a team, be a trusted advisor for because they spent all their time thinking about those things. They didn't have to go and do a bunch of research or figure out how to deal with a lease agreement or whatever. They were so immersed in this world as a team that the business has this authority. Now, one thing I want to emphasize here is that by giving the business authority, that does not mean that what Autumn did is remove the high touch. In fact, the high touch is almost even more important at this point because now, rather than it being everything is coming through Autumn and she is the bottleneck, so she has to spend very little time on all of these clients. Now, instead, there is one devoted, essentially, key attorney for each of the clients. And then as other specialities are needed, as other things pop up, they can bring in the other individuals to support them, Mm -hmm. right, in that process. And so it's actually even higher touch than it was before. And that's a big concern that I often hear from a lot of people when they're looking at what does it look like to change from this I am the business kind of mentality that we often encounter as growing entrepreneurs? And the other thing that happened alongside of this is that by niching down, by constraining the way that they served clients to 
really say we are world class that this is the best way to get you this particular result if you're this kind of person. It also created massive efficiencies and effectiveness within the team because they could now do more work. They could handle more clients more effectively because they weren't having to go and try and juggle all of these different situations. Yes, every client is unique, but there was commonalities that they could rest on. And so they were more effective, more efficient, faster at their jobs, meaning they had time and space to provide the higher touch. I'm imagining myself in our listeners' shoes here. And the question that comes up for me is, okay, so this is all great, but what do I have to do to put this in place in my business? Well, I mean, the easy answer is you hit us up on a DM or you go to our website and you apply to work with us. Or you listen to season one where we walk you through all the exercises, but I am imagining that's probably not the answer that you were thinking of, Jill. So why don't you tell me what answer you were thinking of giving our listeners who want to do this for themselves? One of the biggest pieces here is, again, just going back to Autumn and promoting herself, right? The whole point of promoting yourself is to get yourself out of the day-to-day so that you can focus on the higher level leadership pieces of the business. The thing of it is you actually have to start doing that before you even had the opportunity to take the Mm. step back as the promotion has existed. Mm. You need to actually actively create the space first to make these decisions, to put the values in place, to put all of us together, to do things like the billion dollar team. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't make the time for it, then you won't ever make that first step people often rush to hiring, right? They're they're oh. so busy and they think, I just need to hire someone to get this stuff off my plate. And, and Akila talked about that at length, about how she was busier after hiring than she was before. And the way I like to think of it is this, you have three to five hours a week that you're going to have to spend in one of two ways. You can either spend it hiring, interviewing, training, onboarding, managing a new team member, which is probably on the low end of the number of hours it's going to take if you just jump straight into hiring. Mm-hmm. Or you can spend that same three to five hours a week and you can do what Jill is talking about and you can figure out how do I make what I've got work better and not just work better, but how can I align it 100% with my values so that when I do my hiring, I never have to worry about what they're going to represent to a client because I know that they're going to represent our values in the way we want. So you got this choice. You're going to spend three to five hours either way. Would you rather spend it down route A or would you rather go down route B and actually build something sustainable? One thing I want to emphasize here, I want to talk about, you mentioned listening to that video of one of the industry, I don't know, I'd I'd call it influencers, influencers, one of the, one of the influencers in the industry about who should you hire at 30 to 60 K and it was a marketer or some, or a coach, I think were the two that you, you mentioned. A salesperson or someone to work with your clients. Yeah. Yeah. The other one I always hear, Mm. an OBM. Yeah, you got your VAs covered, but now you need an OBM. And and hey, I think there's number one, what does an OBM even mean? Because you can have an OBM that's just a dressed up VA, or you can have an OBM that is actually going to manage your team and run whole sections of your business, which you don't really need them if your team is super small. You need your team to be self-managing first. Yeah, exactly. And this is one of the biggest things that I see in a lot of our coaches and a lot of our other service providers is they go through and they say, I'm stuck making all the decisions. I need someone to make the decisions for me. 
I need to hire an OBM so that they can do all of those things. Yeah. And but there's no one for the OBM to do that for. So they're still waiting on you to make all of the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, what Autumn said is, you know, she had read about systematizing. She had read about delegating. She'd read clockwork and books like that. She'd And the coaching she'd had was a lot of business development, but she still wasn't able to let go of things. Mm-hmm. And I think when you put that all together, it, it really encapsulates the heart of what I took away from Autumn's conversation, which is there's another level of promoting yourself that most coaches agency owners, consultants, professional services businesses, most people who own those businesses, when you're at 300, 500, 600, even million dollars, Mm -hmm. they don't know what's possible. And that's why that conversation with Autumn was so important. And the conversation with Jenny and the conversation with Keela. That's why those conversations were so important because there is a different way, but if you don't know it exists, you can't pursue it. So this is the end of episode nine. We've got one more episode of our second season yet to come. But before we get there, I want to hear from you all. What has been your favorite interview, your favorite discussion from this season? Was it Keela talking about time? Was it Jenny talking about team? Was it Autumn talking about promoting herself? What was your favorite of these interviews? What applied to you most? And what was your biggest takeaway? And you can hit us up on social media. You can message us on Facebook or on Instagram, whatever you like, but we want to hear from you what resonated most from those first nine episodes. And in the meantime, we're going to be recording episode 10, ending off the season, summing things up and possibly even dropping a hint about what's coming in season three. No spoiler zone here, though. If you want to listen to that, go ahead and either listen to the next episode in your feed or wait a week until it's dropped. But whatever your choice is, hope you have a fantastic day and we'll talk to you next time on the Visionary CEO Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.